You're listening to Sherd's podcast, where we're dedicated to exploring the peripheries of world literature and unearthing neglected texts from outside the mainstream canon. Transmigration of Souls It was noon in a nameless street. The sun struck him. He walked along a deserted street, a gust of wind-swept papers and rubbish, which rustled and grated. Human skin, cigarette stubs, the skins of Mediterranean fruit rot velvet. Mouths open, posters have beautiful white teeth. Now there are people everywhere. A huge building, beside it another huge building, a red table shaded by an awning. At a white table, a huge belly, a cut-off head, resting between arms, sleeps and floats. A red-hot tile under the foot. Boys run up to him, angels in coloured stripes, circles, triangles, palms, a cherub with ruby lips and dirty ears. They came to him, grabbed his suitcase, others snatched it from them. Into his hand they slipped cards, handbills, street plans. Cards bearing the names of hotels. They walked beside him, behind him, in front of him, repeated names, cried and spoke with their hands, lifted their hands, folded and unfolded their hands. A man in a white shirt made a sign of the cross. They left him half-closed their eyes, flashed the whites of their eyes, sang. Behind him strayed two admirals and a queen's page. That was splendid theatre. Behind him lay Stazione Centrale Napoli. Silence. He stopped in the shade of a tree. No, there was no tree. He stopped in the shade of a lorry. The shade drove away. That was a passage from the opening of Et in Arcadia Ego by Tadeusz Różewicz. The poem was originally published in 1961 in his collection Głos Anonima. We're reading the translation by Adam Czerniawski, which is published by Wydawnictwo Literackie. Et in Arcadia Ego might be thought of as Różewicz's idiosyncratic Italian journey, written in response not only to Goethe's text, as an attempt to confront the ghosts of classicism, a journey undertaken to see if the ideals of Western art can still be found among the wreckage of post-war Europe. Join us over the next hour while we give our thoughts and impressions of this fascinating poem. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So welcome to episode six of Sherd's podcast. My name's Sam Pullum. Rob won't be here with us today, but I'm joined by Stefan Głowacki, who's a teacher of Polish literature and the guy I turn to for all my 
annoying questions about Polish literature. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stefan. How are you doing? Hello, Sam. Uh, thanks for inviting me here. <laughs> All the way uh, to the wrong wrong side of the river in Warsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking today about a poem by Tadeusz Różewicz at in Arcadia Ego, which was published in 1961. How did you feel about reading this one, Stefan? Did you enjoy reading it? Yeah, sure. I enjoy reading it, and I because uh, I always enjoy reading Kruszewicz. I really like this poet, and I think it's he is one of the best Polish poets, uh, even writers in twentieth century. Uh, so wow. yeah, I big, enjoy big it. Claim. Yeah, it is. I yeah. but I am I'm very like, full aware of uh, the of of that. Yeah. But I think he should actually get this Nobel Prize. <laughs> you uh, think instead so? Instead yeah. of no, not maybe instead of, but he was a big candidate for that for many years. Uh, was considering to become this noble noblest. I don't know. I imagine that if you turn to any to most English readers, they might not be familiar with the name Rusevich. But in Poland, mm-hmm. he's pretty huge, right? He's quite big, of course. Yeah, it's not. He's not as big as Miłosz and Szymborska, which are this probably the best-known Polish writers. But somewhere I found the information that he's actually very often translated into different languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, certain, he certainly has a presence in English poetry, but I would imagine that most people might not be too familiar with his with his work in, mm. in detail anyway. And of course he's not an easy poet, not an easy writer. He, yeah, he's quite complicated, and it's not always a big pleasure. No, I, I mean that's that's something that uh, I was quite aware of reading this poem for the first time, and it's my first sort of extended reading of Rusevich's poetry. And some of the things that make it quite difficult might be worth noting. There's no punctuation whatsoever. This sentences seem to be broken down into much smaller fragments. We have very very short lines, rarely actually a full complete units of meaning in in sentences. We often have this idea of sort of lists almost. That can be a kind of barrier to to kind of smooth reading of him and perhaps even some of the pleasure of reading his poetry comes from almost reconstructing something that may have been a whole which has been fragmented, you know, picking Mm -hmm. up these Mm -hmm. recurrences and uh, and recurring images and... Mm -hmm. Actually what you described was, is is, uh, is called uh, like typical Ruzevich verse because in Polish versology there is actually a a different category of modern verse and it's called Ruzevich's verse. Yeah, so that's why, uh, because he was one of the first who actually invented this very short, um, fragmented lines, and it, this is very typical for him, and actually it's quite typical for Polish poetry after World War Two. As so, a direct influence of, of his, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is, because he found this very good form to speak about the experience, this post-war experience, but actually about modern experience, and this short fragmented lines with no punctuation it, it, it just fits seems to mirror the way that the mm-hmm. world operates on your nerve endings somehow this kind of uh, saturation oversaturation of the senses perhaps I found moments in this quite long poem of what I might almost call lyricism mm-hmm. which seems like a strange word to use about Rogerich, but moments where the poem sort of peaks in very, very vivid imagery. You know, I'm thinking of uh, some of the descriptions of the city at night mm-hmm. and the marketplace, mm-hmm. the sort of list of um, 
all of these wares on sale and uh, neon lights and so on. It becomes quite an intense reading experience. Mm-hmm. But for brief moments, and then we have a, a quite a sterile, cold style that you know in which the poem is written for the most part. Yeah, of course, but I think the reason of it is because Ruzhevich is still a poet in this new way, because he redefines the meaning of poetry and poet in Polish literature, I think. So he's a poet in this new and old, old, uh, old meaning. Uh, so this lyricism is still present in his poetry, but also his language is always very cold and even closer to a prose than to a poetry. What you mentioned is something we sort of noticed in the... The translation of it as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the the English version reads very much like prose, um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really capture any of the complex play with with sound. You know, the internal rhymes and so on. It's uh, very subtle in Ruzhevich's um, in this poem, particular poem. It's very subtle, but it's there. You can find a lot of sounds and rhymes and rhythm. Uh, yeah, an English translation maybe it's, it has to be like that but it's quite straightforward mm. so just replicate the meanings uh, but it cannot replicate the form this poetic form uh, of language For our listeners who perhaps don't know very much about Ruzhevich, would you tell us something about his life? Ruzhevich was born in 1921, which is a very meaningful date. Why so meaningful? Because um, we connect this date, 1921, with the whole generation who actually finished the high school in 1939, so just before the war. It it was a generation um, who was destroyed by war and raised by war. Many of poets um, from that generation died during the World War II. Uh, Who are you thinking of? Yeah, it's like Krzysztof Kamil Baczyński, Tadeusz Geitze. We call it the Kolumbs generation. Some of them survived, like Tadeusz Borowski, who actually died committed a suicide a few years later after the war. And Ruzhevich is also one of the few who survived the war. And this experience of war was one of the biggest and the most important experience of his life and the life of this generation. Someone said that it was the first and the last experience of the generation. Second World War and the experience of war is very, very important for Ruzhevich and for understanding Ruzhevich's poetry. And you can see it throughout this poem, do you think, as well? Yes, of course, yes. You can even find here the quotations from his first uh, poem, which opens the first collection of Ruzhevich. So, of course, there's so many themes and um, repeating motifs. Yeah, uh, so, of course, it's still still there. I should say that uh, Stefan has brought along a a first edition of uh, Nyapokui, published in 1947. Yeah, which is the date of the actual debut of Ruzhevich. But the interesting thing with that poem is that, with with that poet, is that he, actually he was debuting four times. uh, Like he said. Yeah, there is a, I I will try to translate uh, ad hoc, (laughs) (laughs) uh, a fragment from Ruzhevich's speech. I was debuting a couple of times. It seems like I was born couple of times. Uh, first 
time before the war in some newspapers, uh, second time during the war because Ruzhevich was uh, part of the resistance and he spent the whole war in the, the resistance in the forest and then he he wrote his first collection of poems which is called like the echoes of the forest third time just before the war with collection of satires and the fourth time was this Nepoku, which is which was the first and the most important and maybe the actual the debut of Ruzhevich and that was the moment when Ruzhevich was noticed by also by other critics and the whole establishment and immediately he became a well-known poet and very um, well recognized and esteemed poet uh, after his first his fourth debut actually <laughs> in 1947 so after that um, yeah he was one of the big names in polish literature i think he had some other moments in his biography, uh, like, for example, publishing a Kartoteka, which is a drama of Ruzhevich. He published Kartoteka in late 50s. And so it was very, very new in not only Polish literature, but uh, also in European drama. The idea of... Um, like a cartoteca is a is that a card catalogue is that right? yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good mm-hmm. mm. yeah so it's drama with uh, a hero who is we doesn't know who he is and he doesn't even know who he is so we just see this man and he is called a hero and some other people just passing by and there's like no no action <laughs> no, no, no no main motive no. no plot yeah mm-hmm. and of course this is kind of this absurd drama from from Beckett and from UNESCO, which was quite popular during that time. But Ruzhevich could find his own voice in that particular genre. Can I ask you about this this title of this uh, this mm-hmm. collection, Nyepokui, mm-hmm. which I might translate as disquiet, something like that, the idea of not being at peace. Right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is that an important theme that you can see throughout his poetry. I feel. I feel. I see something of, of that. Of course, in... it is. You can even <clears throat> see that his biggest collection of his poems, also edited by him. It's also called Nepokui. Uh, so this is, of course, one of the biggest themes in his poetry. It comes back, come and goes throughout his poetry. We also think about Ruzhevich as a poet who found a new way, a new language for literature after the Holocaust. It's always good to think about what Adorno said, that every poetry after Holocaust is a barbarian and it's not possible to create anything new after Holocaust. And I think that, not only me, but <laughs> uh, Ruzhevich proved that Adorno is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and Ruzhevich found this way to speak uh, in this new language. And I think his anti-poetic, anti-classic language is the very good form uh, to speak about anything after Holocaust. Uh, I imagine we'll come on to speak in a bit more detail about that mm-hmm. later on. So he went on writing uh, for a long time after the after the war. When did he Yeah, die? Ruzhevich died in, in, in 2014. So he was this poet of the second part of 20th century. And uh, I think in his poetry you can find everything which is important to our culture in this particular moment. So it's not only 
the war ex experience. It's also mass culture, the postmodern era, a capitalism which is which was quite new uh, for us here, uh, even in the nineties. So Ruzevich he developed. He found many forms for his poetry, and he was developing his style throughout the years. So the poem that we're looking at today seems to be a kind of direct response, or at least um, at least a dialogue with Goethe's Italian journey. And the poem takes place in various locations in in Italy, mostly in Naples. We think that Rusevich was was in Italy on some kind of government grant. Is that right? I couldn't find any details about this journey, but I think it was like this normal scholarship. And so it takes takes the form almost of a sort of travelogue, right? Mm -hmm. It follows a protagonist throughout a kind of tour of, of Naples, but it's of a distinctly different character to Goethe's Italian journey, which seemed to be a, a kind of idealisation of, mm -hmm. of the South and the kind of vestiges of a grand classical culture. The poem opens with an epigraph from, from Goethe, from the Italian journey, which I'll just read really briefly. Und wie man sagt, dass einer, dem ein Gespenst erschienen, nicht wieder froh wird, so konnte man umgekehrt von ihm sagen, dass er nie ganz unglücklich werden konnte, weil er sich immer wieder nach Neapel dachte. Uh, and rough, roughly translated, we might say, and as it is said, that one to whom a ghost is, has appeared will never again be happy, we can alternately say of him that he will never again be completely unhappy because he will always remember Naples. And, and Goethe is actually speaking of his father in this passage who came back from, from that city with a wonderful impression, completely overwhelmed by the beauty of the city and the natural surroundings and so on. Shortly after this, this passage, Goethe will say that he can pardon all who lose their senses in, in Naples. And... That's something I think we might see in Rusevich's, um encounter with the city as well, but perhaps not losing his senses in a, in a mental way, but uh, perhaps struggling with the very idea of, of meaning itself. Rather than having ornate descriptions of uh, ancient architecture or natural beauty, Rusevich focuses on decay straight away, a uh, mm -hmm. kind of hostility in this, mm -hmm. uh, in this city. So... It opens, it was noon in a nameless street, the sun struck him. He walked along a deserted street, a gust of wind swept papers and rubbish which rustled and grated, human skin, cigarette stubs, the skins of Mediterranean fruit, rot velvet, mouths open, posters have beautiful white teeth. So this, this description seems to focus on remnants or vestiges of things that have been left behind you know we don't have the the flesh of the fruit here but mm -hmm. just the skin from which the flesh has either rotted or been devoured we have cigarette stubs uh, straight away there's the impression of something in in ruins if i can say uh, something about mm -hmm. this idea of decay uh, i think it is it is very important idea we can show it uh, see it here and of course i think we can try describe this poem as a deconstruction of the myth, killing the myth. The myth 
by itself, but also the myth of Arcadia. Mm -hmm. And there's another myth of the Italian classical civilization and this classical journey, because it's not only Goethe for Rojevich. Of course, Goethe is here in the poem, but it's also our Polish romantics. Uh, like Słowacki, for example, he, had, he wrote this poem called From Naples, Naples to the Holy Land. Yeah, so the, this Italian journey is very, like, big motive in this classic literature. Yeah. Uh, so Ruzevich for sure he reconstructing it or maybe even killing this myth. That's really interesting in terms of the title Ed in Arcadia Ego because there's a duality inherent in it, isn't there, in the interpretations of, of what it means exactly. You know, mm -hmm. From the Poussin painting this is inscribed on, on a gravestone. Some interpret it to be uh, the voice of death that even in even in paradise, yeah. even in this utopian place, I am present. And some say that the one who has died is speaking, that mm -hmm. now I am in uh, I am in Arcadia, mm -hmm. or even that I once lived in Arcadia. Uh, there are various interpretations of it. And I think, um, this is my impression, that Ruzhevich would subscribe to the first one, that the death, yeah, that, is, mm -hmm. death is present everywhere. And we can also... Um, <clears throat> Try to uh, remember this other yeah. Guercino uh, uh, painting about the Etin uh, Arcadia, actually the earlier one, yeah. which uh, shows this um, skull, <laughs> a skull, which is, I think, it is a motif which kind of resembles here in the poem. A skull is a fragment of a dead body, uh, so we see a lot of fragments here and a lot of the sculptures sculptures like deconstructed dismembered and dismembered bodies and dismembered humans and the whole idea of uh, deconstruction and dismembering or cutting things uh, I think it's here and the skull from um, Guercino, this is the inspiration, one of the inspirations uh, for that poem you um, would say more more than the Poussin painting, which is better known, yeah, <laughs> yeah, much better than, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I think it might be because, you know, Ruzhevich was uh, he studied uh, an art history there's a lot of paintings in his poetry and I think there's a lot of ekphrases here in Etin Arcadego as well mm -hmm. you can find Salvador Dali's uh, painting here Oh, interesting, I didn't spot that. These um, <coughs> giraffes, Bur ah, okay. burning giraffes, mm -hmm, it's, this mm -hmm. is the name of the Salvador Dali poem, and it's somewhere here when he yeah, describes the, um, the entrances to the museums, and there is like smiling giraffes, they remove shoes from aging feet. Aching giraffes. This is the title of one of Salvador's Dali paintings. Ah, I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, that it might be this you know, connection. It's like this particular um, image. It's very <laughs> weird. And mm -hmm. <laughs> like, so, yeah. And there are some other paintings or art here. Of course, this Sistine Chapel and. Um, the whole Venice, um, of course, Sobieski at Vienna as well, which is this big moment in Polish history. So there is many of it, I think, this, this kind of ekphrasis. <laughs> One of the uh, uh, critics uh, even point out that the beginning of the poem is actually an ekphrasis of Franz Snyder's still life. Actually, I couldn't find the exact painting, but uh, there are some painterly fragments, like here. Bunches of lemon hung with rigid lacquered leaves. 
maybe I'll read it in Polish, wisiały grona cytryn z liściem sztywnym lakierowanym, leżały banany wygięte, pokryte czarnymi plamami, brunatne figi, różowe melony, księżyce z wody i światła w skórze nosorożca. Uh, yeah, it looks a little bit like this Snyder still life. Like this collection of um, things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of different things lying together and creating some kind of composition. Uh, Which kind of, uh, you know, perhaps metaphorically ref- reflects the way that the, the poem is constructed as well, you know, mm-hmm. a sort of um, parataxis. And I think we find that as the poem moves from from uh, moment to moment without necessarily directing us through how they're connected to each other. I'm, I was quite interested in descriptions of fruit and produce emphasizing almost the commerciality of them you know the we have this long sort of litany of um, almost a litany of dead creatures lying on lying on ice right as he passes through the market store and then a description directly of uh, celebrities on on big placards and po- ad- advertising mm-hmm. posters and things mm-hmm. like that i was wondering if um one of the one of the things that might have influenced the breakdown of of language might not just be writing after after the war but also uh writing in this era of commerciality do you think that for a pole coming to italy in this period this would be a very shocking thing to see this overwhelming kind of uh, commerciality it was was shocking and overwhelming for many poles who who came to see the west of course uh, coming from this uh, poor socialist country uh, especially in 50s and 60s uh, it was a huge difference uh, at the west of europe so of course uh, many of our travelers were overwhelmed overwhelmed by this yeah, capitalism mm-hmm. and consumption yeah just overwhelmed i i'm not saying that they were judging it badly mm-hmm, there, but mm-hmm. they were just yeah, it was like too much does it feel does it feel negative to you in rozevich's poetry to me it, to me it sort of does you know uh i'm i'm thinking of this passage about about young people mm-hmm. uh, in the city at night so actually this is a this is a really nice passage that I'll, I'll, maybe i'll just read this whole thing a black sky towered above the street stars in the sky tangled neons the statue was dark all vehicles drove towards him drove around the unknown hero pneumatic hammers and drills were shattering the concrete crust the flat square disgorged shining dust ashes lava neon lights flowed down vertical walls of the sky women lay in pools of light black and shining seals fat multi-eyed red shining red and silver with huge bellies they swam softly in silk a dwarf leads a soldier by the hand her face like an apple of paradise she snaps at her mates who black silky stand bloated with light captive balloons stars fall stars with parted lips youths surround the jukebox the jukebox sobs and shakes the jukebox laughs and sings the jukebox filled with music and voices souls migrate leave the young bodies enter the jukeboxes those innocent souls that don't know sin don't know penance automatons are innocent automatons don't know sin automatons will not be damned 
Automatons can't rot. Souls migrate in the rain, leave the young bodies, enter the bodies of stars upon huge posters. All those sceneries of paradise are sceneries of hell. I found I found this to be um, a kind of idea of a real emptiness in the preoccupations of the youth with popular music and mm-hmm. celebrity, and but also the idea of this innocence. I wondered if are they innocent because they haven't experienced the war? Perhaps is that what it's? A, it is a filter which you can just adjust to Ruzhevich and just filter everything throughout the war but Mm -hmm. it works and the idea of innocence I think it's uh, one of the biggest idea in his early poems there is one poem just called Lament you can find the passage there like which sounds I'm not an innocent I'm 24 years old and I'm not an innocent I killed a man and yeah, I saw it. Like he wrote in here in Edina Cadiego, there is one passage somewhere. I sold many things. Uh, I sold worse things. So yeah, I think he is kind of jealous of this innocence, even if it's automatic mm-hmm. and empty, maybe stupid innocence. Uh, I think he might be jealous of that. This sort of mechanical emptiness is almost, you know, as innocence is preferable to some kind of. Uh, because automatons are innocent, automatons won't be, will not be damned. They can't rot. Yeah, so I think this idea of being damned and being not innocent is very overwhelming for his, for him and for his poetry. It's like a burden. It still keeps tracking him all the time mm-hmm. through his life. It's always there. This trauma of war. This room, but what house? This house, but what city? This reflection, but what mirror? That city, is it still there beyond the wall? It talks to itself. Where is Naples? This is Naples, such is Naples. There is your Naples, see Naples and die. How hot it is here, how his feet burn, the flesh scalded by that white linen. See Naples, through the window one can see roofs and walls and windows in walls, the flat roofs in the sky, the white clouded tin of the sky turning blue, the clanking and roar of motors, what are they doing there, burrowing a hole through the earth, through this house, and if that city is not there beyond the wall, if it is not there, there is only heat in a void, noise, rotting fish, Machine drills cracking the surface, the concrete breaking, cries, songs, words, too many words, baroque churches of words, dust, rustling of papers. And if he is not there, only a cloud, a whirl of noise, burning white, an exploding and fading ball, a magician's glass ball, and inside that idiot with a colossal head beneath the locked cathedral, his head dripping saliva, a bellowing bell hung from a spider's web, that city is falling, terrified he woke, there was night in the mirror. One thing that is uh, unquestionably present in the poem is this idea of language becoming detached from from meaning somehow. You, you mentioned earlier the the Adorno quotation, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. after Auschwitz, to write a poem, to write poetry is barbaric. Of course, the, the poet that most people turn to 
when thinking about this idea is Talan, and I think we get a very different use of language in Talan's poetry to what we have in Rojevut. In Talan, we find sort of words themselves being deformed, changed into different shapes, neologisms. We find broken words, a destruction of syntax. It seems to happen on the kind of unit of the word, whereas in Rojevut, I don't think it's exactly like that. The word survives intact somehow. Yeah, he, he's not the poet of neologisms. Mm-hmm. He doesn't create any new words, and he doesn't find a new meanings. I think he tracks this broken connection between word and the meaning. We can even find the passage here uh, in at in Arcadia Ego. He lay down, clo- closed his eyes. He lies under a white sheet. Thoughts crumble. The thread which ties images and words snaps. And it reminds me his very early poem, which is called Ocalone, is one of this, which is called the statement of this whole afterward generation. I don't know if you have this. Yeah, do you English want to read it? Translation. Or I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Maybe in 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 Polish as well. I can read it. Yeah. <laughs> Play the whole poem, or yeah, just... why not? Mam dwadzieścia cztery lata. Ocalałem prowadzony na rzeź. To są nazwy puste i jednoznaczne. Człowiek i zwierzę. Miłość i nienawiść, wróg i przyjaciel, ciemność i światło. Człowieka tak się zabija jak zwierzę. Widziałem furgony porąbanych ludzi, którzy nie dostaną zbawieni. Pojęcia są tylko wyrazami. Cnota i występek, prawda i kłamstwo, piękno i brzydota, męstwo i tchórzostwo. Jednako waży cnota i występek. Widziałem człowieka, który był jeden występny i cnotliwy. Szukam nauczyciela i mistrza, niech przywróci mi wzrok, słuch i mowę. Niech jeszcze raz nazwie rzeczy i pojęcia, niech oddzieli światło od ciemności. Mam 24 lata, ocalałem prowadzony na rzeź. And if you can read this, maybe not the whole poem, but if you can read this verse. This verse. This verse, which it, it corresponds very well. So this is a point in the middle of the poem. Ideas are mere words, virtue and crime, truth and lies beauty and ugliness, courage and cowardice. So I think this connection between idea and words and meaning and the words, it's one of the big themes in Rojavi's poetry, one of, I think, his, even his obsession. Like, the, the words doesn't represent the meanings. Mm-hmm. And this bond between meaning of the word and idea and the word, it's, it's lost. Uh, and it's no longer possible Uh, maybe after war, but maybe this is the feature of our modern world as well. You know, it's interesting that in the survivor, these are all very strong nouns, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. It's this is not necessarily about poetic language, but about about ideas in this particular poem. But I mm-hmm. think in Et in Arcadia Ego, we can see confrontation with. The very idea of of the the simile of the adornment uh, of comparison. I'm thinking of this passage. Yeah, this slightly longer passage. We find ourselves at the end of an era. The musician perishes, as did the poet. The poet who perished thinks woman is like a flower. Lay aside that beautiful ancient simile. A flower that smiles. A flower that fears. A flower with a flower in her hair. A flower which sells itself, a flower which comes and goes. A woman is like a woman, a flower is like a flower. 
word has become flesh. Flesh fills the night from shore to shore. Night has no shores. A woman is like a flower. Lay aside that beautiful ancient simile. There's a sort of sense here that a uh, romantic idea of, of language is completely lost. We need to put aside poetics as such. Yeah, right? this beautiful ancient simile. Yeah, and I think what is interesting uh, that Ruzevich chose the tautology. I think as a statement, the flower is like like a flower mm-hmm. <laughs> and the woman is like a woman uh, so this is the answer for yeah, the, the new language yeah Ruzevich in that time he was um, saying a lot of the new poetry how it should look like and he was proposing this new anti-poetry poetry which should be a realistic poetry we, we can also find a passage here And it's uh, taken in quotation marks. Reality is filled with reality. Through cracks in reality, imagination may filter. And imagination may, imagination may filter. Imagined illusion arises within us through which we sometimes grasp the similarities of things as things in themselves. This happens with sleepers and madmen. I think, yeah, this illusion of the imagination, this illusion which makes us think that there is this connection between things and the things in themselves but it's only an illusion i think this passage is is a kind of a statement but it's in quotation marks like someone else is speaking that i think it's interesting i don't know who might speak that it's not this narrator it's not a lyrical subject it's a little bit too Radical, even for Ruzevich. This uh, other passage. Mm-hmm. Must not leave a single space for it, a single blank space for imagination. Like, this is the idea of poetry, which is so concrete, so straightforward, that it, it doesn't leave any space for imagination. I was really reminded of Wallace Stevens reading that, but almost a kind of inversion of what Stevens does. There's a moment when the, the speaker becomes the, f- the first person mm-hmm. and is kind of wondering if from this hotel room Naples can still be said to exist outside of the room. To look out the balcony reveals only so only that much of reality that can be perceived from this particular point, right? I was really reminded of this poem of The Surface of Things, uh, Wallace Stevens' poem. Mm-hmm. In my room... The world is beyond my understanding, but when I walk I see that it consists of three or four hills and a cloud. From my balcony I survey the yellow air, reading where I have written, the spring is like a bell undressing. In the third section, the gold tree is blue, the singer has pulled his cloak over his head, the moon is in the folds of the cloak. This seems to be from the same sort of position arguing almost the direct opposite of what Ruzevich is saying. So imagination for, for Stevens has this transformative power. You know, the metaphor still has predominance for the poetic imagination. Obviously, this is pre-war, but for Ruzevich, there's a concern with absences. It's the cracks in reality that, that need to be apprehended rather than reality itself being kind of transformed. I, I think the poem is a sort of attempt mm. to regain something of that, something of the this former poetic world, but which turns out to be sort of futile, right? Yeah, I think this poem is a big, a big try 
how to a poet can come back to the old poetry and he's trying to go to make his make his Italian journey to reconnect with this classical world and classical metaphors and classical meanings and it's not possible but I think he tries and it's uh, it's beautiful tragic pursuing as he wrote in Otalone Survivor he's searching for a teacher I'm looking for a teacher for someone who will divide dark and light so he is looking for God mm-hmm. uh, he's trying to get an answers and I think this old poetic language was guaranteeing that the words and their and their meanings are still connected now uh, after war and in this new era it's not possible anymore so I think that he's searching for this breaks this glitches in the reality mm-hmm. yeah, which are something that does not fit to the whole picture and he looks to these holes and trying to maybe not fill them just to observe them yeah it is mm-hmm. it is really a, a preoccupation with absences of of all sorts i think you know mm-hmm. from the very first moment we talked about the the flesh of the fruit is no longer there that's right uh, mm-hmm. it's not the cigarette it's the stub of the cigarette and, when he's al- and also this Antiquity is no longer there in the Italy. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but the myth and Arcadia is no longer there. Everything is no longer there, actually. I mean, I was even thinking about the, the moment in the, in the hotel room where everything is sort of described from uh, the perspective of its, of its sort of inversion. So the blinds are not described, but the spaces between the blinds are described. And the, mm. the former occupant of the room is not described, but the empty coat hangers that would have formerly had her clothes on, on them are mm. described. I don't know, that seems like a real uh, preoccupation in the poem to me. To go back to this sort of attempt at finding Arcadia, finding antiquity, the attempt to, to undertake this real uh, Italian journey in the, in the old sense, we have at the very end of the poem a lyrical fragment, we might say, and maybe, maybe we can just read it. Could I try to read it in Polish and maybe you could try to read it in English? How about Great. That? Yeah. <laughs> I think we can do this, yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Okay, I'll now make my, I'm sure, flawed attempt to read this in Polish. Opowiedz mi o włoskiej podróży. Nie wstydzę się. Płakałem w tym kraju. Piękno dotknęło mnie. Byłem znów dzieckiem w łonie tego kraju. Płakałem. Nie wstydzę się. Próbowałem wrócić do raju. Very good. Very good. Tell me about your Italian journey. I am not ashamed. I wept in that country. Beauty touched me. I was a child once more. In the womb of that country, I wept. I am not ashamed. I have tried to return to paradise. So what you can see in Polish version, you can actually see the rhymes there. Płakałem w tym kraju, próbowałem wrócić do raju, which is not present in English translation. I think these rhymes are very meaningful. They are not at all common in Ruzhevich's poetry. He doesn't use rhymes. 
yeah, I think this is the sign of this classical poetry somehow. Yeah. You think it's a genuine, heartfelt ending to this poem, that uh, the poem has represented a, an honest attempt to regain some yes. kind of paradise? I think it's, it is an honest attempt. Someone wrote uh, about this poem, I think it was Richard Krzybelski, one of the critics, that Ruzevich came to Naples and came to Italy with the idea of deconstructing the myth. Like he came there and he knew that he's gonna do this. But I don't think so. I think that he came there and it happened. He observed the new reality. And it's not only because of the war. It's like this new new time. There is one very good moment in the poem, the moment you compared to T.S. Eliot, about time. Czas teraźniejszy to doskonały morderca przeszłości. Time present is an excellent murderer of the past. This that passage you just read is explicitly in dialogue with with yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Eliot's poem Burnt Norton from from Four Quartets, which opens with this famous passage about all time being present at once and uh, the idea of I don't know subjunctive reality being um, being an abstraction. Whereas this is much more straightforward in, in Rozhevich here, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. um, it seems like a deliberately uncomplicated dialogue with that uh, and a, an attempt to just to discard that as a notion. The tank's turret is open. The pennant flutters in the wind. The tanks are heavy and huge. The barrels of guns, dark, silent. Radio masts glisten. Tank after tank rattles by, armoured cars spiked with machine guns, and batteries of guns. A helicopter shines in the sky. The armoured cars and tanks make a gentle curve. Then come red lorries, red lorry after red lorry, all well wound up. Then guns, pontoons and tractors. Children and girls rejoice, and even serious people who have been in hell. And then handsome soldiers, handsome soldiers run lightly, feathers stream in the wind, black, white, red. Feathers run, soldiers fly. Someone has wound up the vehicles and the people. The parade unfolds in the sun over the blue bay. A beautiful, colourful army runs. Black feathers fly, bands play, soldiers dance. Surely no one here will kill. That soldier in the tank is beautiful as an angel. He will never burn. From the hill the city ascends to the sky. In the sky, Pompeian red glistens like open lungs above the transparent bay. In the final section of the poem, uh, which is about a sort of military parade. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those moments where the, the poem reaches its almost its most vivid, descriptive heights, you know? The military parade is described almost in terms of, of beauty, right? But it, 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 yeah, it is, but it's very ironic, ironic yeah, yeah. description. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can find this. It, it looks like um, toys. He used this word to describe the soldiers and this... Uh, their machines. He used the word nakręcone, which is uh, translated as a wound up. Is it 
meaning of the world that yeah, you wind this up toy. toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they are all well wound up, and these beautiful soldiers are all identical, and everybody are happy. Yeah. yeah. Children and girl, girls rejoice, and even serious people who have been in hell it reminds reminds us of war, this hell, this apocalypse. It's still there, somewhere. So when we have this German quotation, the Neapolitans believe themselves to be in possession mm-hmm. of paradise and have a very, a very sad concept of, of the northern lands. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. always snow, wooden houses and great ignorance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that strike you as a, a sort of accusation, a reverse accusation against uh, Italians here? Against this parade, you know. That they are there and they're happy and sit in this... That the great ignorance is there rather mm-hmm. than uh, in the northern lands. It's funny that you just uh, said about this northern cities because there is one poem which opens Ruzevich's debut collection. I don't think we, if we have English translation of that. But actually this poem is here as well in at in Arcadia Ego. It's it's actually actually quoted. Yeah, it's just just before this uh, parade part. Actually it's it's taken from the, the poem called Maska. Directly. Directly. There is like this huge effigies with monstrous heads, laugh noisily from ear to ear. Actually in the Maska it it, it starts with the uh, line I watched the movie about the Venice Carnival where huge effigies with monstrous heads laugh noisily from ear to ear and a a maid too beautiful for me an inhabitant of a small town in the north rides aside an ichthyosaurus so I am this small town inhabitant a small town in the north the objects excavated in my country have small black heads sealed with plaster and horrible grins I see the war still (laughs) still see the war they're like these people who are Killed with uh, gips, I don't know. Oh, plaster. A plaster. Yeah. Plaster, yeah. yeah. So they used to put some people with this in the mouth. Really? Yeah. One of the poets, Geisy, died, died, died like that. So, so there's, there's this there's a direct idea, I think, <coughs> of the north as a land of death, destruction. And they are too beautiful for us. It's not uh, a very pleasant word to, to use, uh, but there's a suggestion of sort of savagery here right yeah because we experienced savagery world war ii was like the carnival of savagery when he says beauty touched me there yeah it doesn't look like it doesn't look (laughs) like it no we don't see we don't see it without a a sort of taint of irony throughout Mm -hmm. you know it's strange that we suddenly get that that shift to the honest voice saying uh saying that beauty had had touched him and especially after this this description uh, of the military parade in the mm-hmm. terms of, ironically, of, of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what he's referring to. Maybe it's uh, more of the beauty of, a, of an art. Just just these notes from the journey, part two. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and Vatican Museum and Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo's Last Judgment is being admired. Is it beauty? I don't know how to express this shock. I had to raise my head on the back of a seat. Do you think that the uh, the end of the poem is ironic? It didn't feel ironic in and of itself at all to me. It felt genuine. But the context made it feel slightly disingenuous because throughout the whole poem, 
the very opposite of this has been sort of argued or at least suggested and I think that's really good evidence to the to the contrary that you've provided you know the idea of the artwork the the whole artwork mm-hmm. not the fragmented artwork but the one from an untouched period but and he does not <coughs> say that he actually returned to paradise he has tried to return to paradise yeah and beauty touched me it was there it taught taught him it, he have tried to return but actually he he hasn't Would you recommend this this poem to to people to read? Do you think it's a a good entrance point to Rujevich? I don't think it is a good entrance point. I I would recommend uh, short poems first, especially from his first collection, Nipokoi. This should be a starting point. Then yes, for sure. <laughs> but but I don't think this is the, the, the you know the poem you should start uh, reading Rujevich. As, uh, uh, as well, his dramas mm-hmm. are not this first Ruzhevich pieces of work you have to read. Is that because it brings brings together lots of ideas that he's already begun to explore in his earlier poetry? poetry mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. a, a knowledge of that earlier poetry would really helps. In With, I think it it will help. Well, I mean, I'll certainly be going on to read more Ruzhevich after this because I've, I've really enjoyed the poem Stefan, thanks for joining us yes, uh, thank you We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sherd's Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about our conversation, please write to us at sherdspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show, please write us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Sherd's podcast is part of the Holdfast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for more programs you may enjoy.